Kids, you are dismissed. Hope you have a great time as you study Gospel Project. Many of you are back, likely for the first time after the holidays. Welcome back. Some may be here for uh, the first time. We are a church family that uh, believes the Bible. So as you've seen this morning already, we uh, announce the gathering of God's people with the Bible. We sing the Bible. We pray the Bible. And now we'll look together at the scriptures uh, directly. As uh, Todd prayed, we are starting a new series this morning on Proverbs. So if you would turn to Proverbs 24, it's going to take us a while to get to where we'll read it, but that will be where we end up. So Proverbs 24. If you don't have a Bible of your own, there should be one in the seat underneath you or directly in front of you. Feel free to take one out and uh, take that home if you don't, don't have a Bible. We believe as a church family that the scriptures are God's word given to us that we might uh, know him and through his strength live after him. Hope you had wonderful holidays. Uh, great to be back together as a church family. Uh, we are a people inundated with information. Many things about that are wonderful. Uh, most of us carry around in our pockets or our purses one of these. Turn yours off, please. Seriously, we have an, an uh, enormous amount of information in our hands through our phones. We can push a button and Siri will ask us what we need. And any fact kind of question, she tends to answer. Uh, another example would be uh, Google Books. Abby, right here on the front row, is 11. Before she was born, uh, a service started called Google Books. Anybody heard of it? Actually, it's not as old as she is. It's younger than that. So younger than Abby, Google Books started, and now there are 25 million full-text books ready for our minds to enjoy. 25 million! Collegiate education, once available only to the wealthy, is now accessible to nearly everyone. We are sitting right now in the shadow of one of the great universities of the country, the largest public university. And if it's too far to walk across the street, you can just sit on your computer and go to school. Information is readily available to us. This interconnectedness of the world means that we now know about events even as they happen. A few months ago, as those attacks took place in Paris, so the other side of the world, they're hunting, looking for people who shot people, literally Minutes after it happened, we can watch it on the TV or read about it in the media. It's incredible. Our access to information is without equal in the history of humanity. But this unprecedented volume of information does have drawbacks, does it not? Here's a few. Information being this accessible means that we are now ex expected to be that accessible. More work is expected from us, more school is expected from us, and few of us, when we go on vacation, actually go on vacation. We take it with us, and we're expected to be accessible even when we're off. I don't think that's such a good thing. Another drawback to this kind of society is that silence has become deafening. Have you noticed how infrequently you have a moment of quiet? You have to work at it, don't you? There is stuff coming at us all the time. 
we're literally becoming people that are uncomfortable in our own skin with simply sitting in a quiet room. Now, those are two things we'd probably all agree are drawbacks to living in a society where information is so easily accessible and coming at us. But there's another drawback that perhaps you haven't thought of. Another part of our common experience that's at play that maybe we'd be less likely to think about. Let me frame it as a question. Is all of this knowledge available to us at the click of a button, making for a better world? Are things better off now than they were 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago? If political polls reveal anything at all, then they demonstrate that there's a persistent and pervasive pessimism among us. We don't believe things are getting better. On a whole, our access to knowledge is not resulting in a more hospitable world, is it? Things are not better. To live well in 2016, we need something more than information. We need something more than knowledge. Good information isn't enough to live well in the world today. Knowledge alone is not sufficient for the complexities of life. We need something better. We need wisdom. We need wisdom. So today we're going to launch a series of sermons on wisdom. Did you know that there's an entire book of the Bible devoted simply to that? One out of 66 books that God gave us that we might know him and live in light of him is specifically there so that we could know wisdom. So over the next several months, we're going to hit this topic in three related but distinct series. And if I could just briefly lay that out for you, perhaps it would help you as you invite people to come along with you on Sunday mornings. The first couple of weeks, we're going to look at a series called Understanding Wisdom. And we're going to simply talk about together, what is it? I've learned over the last uh, six months that I didn't understand wisdom. I didn't really know what it was. It's a word that I use and something that I called people to and tried to live myself, but I didn't have a really firm grasp on what it was. So we're going to just look at the book of Proverbs and try to summarize what is wisdom. When we're finished with that, we'll try to apply it to our second series called Living Wisely. And we're going to survey a whole bunch of issues that we face in everyday life and ask, what does the book of Proverbs say about that? And we'll collect them together. For example, uh, work. What does the scriptures say about work? It actually says a lot. And so we'll look at what Proverbs says about how to live and how to work. And then finally, our last series uh, related to Proverbs will be called Social Currency. And we've planned that series to start the week after Easter. So you might begin thinking and praying now about who you could bring with you on Easter. And Lord willing, they would come back. And we're just going to look at relationships and what does the book of Proverbs say about how to live wisely in relationships with each other. My sense is that this may be one of the most important topics that we've ever covered as a church. And I've come to a conviction through the book that this may sound a little offensive. Perhaps it needs to, although I don't intend it that way. 
My sense is that we are a knowledgeable people, but we're not a wise people, and there's a difference. We have lots and lots and lots and lots of knowledge, more than any other society has ever had. But yet we find ourselves making decisions day after day after day that are not wise. And so let's pray together as a family that as we intentionally pursue wisdom, that God would give us that, that we would understand him more. Which, of course, begs the question, what is wisdom? Wisdom may be the biggest need that you didn't know you have. It may be the thing you most need this year that you weren't even aware was a need. It's not strictly knowledge. It's bigger. It's how you use that knowledge to approach the everyday complex situations of life. That's the difference. It's the knowledge needed plus the ability to know how to apply that knowledge to the everyday stuff of life. In modern usage, when we use the word wisdom, it sounds like something abstract, something ethereal, doesn't it? It sounds like something hard to get your hands around. But to the ancients, people like Plato, people like Aristotle, people like Jesus, wisdom was was something different. Wisdom was concrete. It was something moldable, pliable. You can hold it. You can look at it. You can talk about it. You can understand it. Wisdom was essential for coping with reality. Wisdom was thought of as skill for life. Perhaps it would help us to think of wisdom like that. The book of Proverbs portrays wisdom as the skill needed for everyday life. Wisdom is looking at the world as it really is and then living in an astute, winsome way. You see, wisdom understands what to do in the myriad of situations in life in which the rules don't seem to directly apply. Let me give you a practical example. Uh, Recently, my uh, iPhone took a fall to its death. So I went into T-Mobile, and I hadn't been in T-Mobile in several years, and the lines were crazy. I mean, people were all over the place. So I had lots of time to look around. So I started wandering around the store looking at the items that were there and came to see that a cell phone store now carries much more than cell phones. Have you been in one recently? Okay, it hadn't been that long. I'm not that old. I hadn't had that phone that long, maybe two years. But I hadn't been in a store in that amount of time. And it radically changed in those two years. There are um, music streaming services that have changed what we think of as necessities to have to go with our cell phones, right? So I noticed all kinds of portable speakers and all different kinds of earphones. I love music. Music has a way of capturing our emotions unlike anything else. What we do here, for example, as a church family, when we sing isn't space filler to get to the sermon. It's announcing the gospel back to each other again and again and again because music can help us retain it like me talking to you can't. It's such an important medium. So I love music, so I started looking around at what they had. And something really strange caught me. There was no price tag on anything. (laughs) Literally none. 
And so I wrote down what the price tag said. Where a normal price tag would have been, it said either this or this. It said, bundle with your phone and pay nothing today or only $7 a month. That was it. Literally nothing had a price tag. It had an announcement, you can get it today, you don't have to spend anything, or it's only $7 a month. Now, strictly speaking, if we look at the scriptures, there is no black and white answer to whether or not you should buy $200 beats on credit. Are you with me? Like, I don't have a verse that says, do that or don't do that. So the rules don't apply directly to that situation. And did you know that most of the decisions that you make day in and day out, that is true of? There are a lot of commands in the Bible, commands designed by God for our good, but there's no command about that. So if we ask, is it sinful to buy $200 beats on credit? Then we have to say no. There is no command of God that says do that or don't do that. So I'd say it's not sinful, but I would say it's stupid. Why? Because of wisdom. Here's what I mean. If we ask, is it sinful, we have to say no. But we ask, if we change the word sinful and exchange it with the word wise, then certainly we would say no. It is not wise to buy $200 earphones and pay for it with $7 a month. Why? You're, you're going to pay way more than $200. So there isn't a rule in the Bible that says debt is bad. It's wrong, it's sinful, don't ever enter into it. That's not there either. But it does tell you that you'll become a slave to your lender. And so you've got to ask a particular set of questions. Is like, is this purchase something that I need? Do I have to have this to live? You have to have somewhere to live. So most of us that own a home have to incur debt to, go into a, a, to make a house purchase. You've got to have somewhere to live. You don't have to have $200 earphones. Now, I'll admit, they sound way better than the cruddy ones from Target that are $8.99. And you may really want those. But a wise decision would be save up, delay your gratification, and purchase them. Because what will happen is you're going to buy your $200 Beats by Dre, you're going to put them on, you're going to really enjoy them, they're going to seem amazing. In a few days... They're, they're not going to be any big deal. And they will have worn out before you even finish paying for them. So not is it sinful, but is it wise would lead us to say, don't do it. Don't do it. Now, life is full of those kinds of decisions. The gray stuff, if you will, those decisions that are not black and white, where the rules don't directly apply, make up the majority of our decisions. But that doesn't mean that God hasn't left us with a way to think through them. He has. He's given us the book of Proverbs. The rules might not always apply, 
But wisdom always applies. Every time. Every day, we cultivate a knowledge base from which we live. And wisdom is that knowledge base. We live according to something that we perceive as wisdom. It's impossible not to do that. So I want to give you some examples. Our behaviors are learned behaviors, the majority of them. Three examples. If I'm raised in a home where immediate gratification is the highest priority, and so every day of my life, whether I was raised by a single mom or a nuclear family mom and dad or an extended relative raised me, if the person in charge in the home models that life is about getting what you want as fast as you can and you don't wait, you just get it and enjoy it, that's what life is for, then what am I going to think when I go in T-Mobile and I see the earphones I want for $7 a month? What am I going to think? That's going to make sense to me because the way our brains work is our experiences teach us what is wise. It gives us the common pool of knowledge from which we draw. So I'm just going to go get them. And I will have lived in a reality in which that makes sense. Another example. If I'm raised in a home where leisure, not instant gratification, but leisure is seen as the highest priority, and dad always seems to do the very most, the very minimum he can to get by. And his main goal is to come home and sit down and watch football. If I watch dad do that year after year after year, what am I internalizing? I'm internalizing that life is about not productivity, not honoring God, not making a difference, not serving people, but sitting on my rear end and watching football. And then when I grow up, the most wise thing to do in my mind is going to be to live life the way my dad lived it. Are you with me? Okay, one more example. If, if I grow up taking in movies, watching and believing that college is ultimately about sex and alcohol, then when I go to college, what am I going to do? I'm going to seek to create the version of reality that I believe reality is. I'm going to go after girls and liquor. And so college will seem like it's about girls and liquor because that's the reality I've built. Friends, that's the way life works when it comes to the area of wisdom. But here's the problem. None of those are actually true to the way God designed the world to work. None of them. So ultimately, reality isn't like that. That's not the way reality actually works. So if I go back to those examples, I can pay 25% more for headphones buying them on credit if I want to. But in the long run, that's going to mean I have less than I could have if I had saved and been more wise with money. Or to the second example, life is not about sports. Life is ultimately about knowing God, loving God, and serving people, doing good to others. I'm going to get the best life I could ever have if I live that way. Third, College is a fabulous time for learning and maturing and disciple-making. Church, we have a tremendously unique opportunity 
to have the properties that we have because we've driven a peg as a church down in downtown Tempe where we can try to impact college students for Christ who are going to go all over the world. So there's a few here that were here when that decision was made, and we would say, thank you. We're so thrilled as a body to be here because we want to tell college students, college ultimately isn't about drugs and alcohol and sex. Now, this will make you uncomfortable, but if you're over 21 and you're a college student and you're not an alcoholic, there's nothing in the Bible that would say, don't go have a beer with a friend. It's not there. But wisdom would say, be careful with pleasure because pleasure can get out of control and take your life over before you've even realized it. What is wisdom? Wisdom is skill for everyday life. Wisdom comes primarily not through memorizing facts in books, but through living thoughtfully through everyday experience with God and people. So I'd ask you today, are you facing some decision in which you know you need wisdom? Anything like that going on currently? What drove me six, nine months ago to the book of Proverbs was that sense personally, myself. We were going through some changes as a church, and uh, in my family we were considering some things, that I just had this acute sense of, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to lead the church in this issue. I'm not sure how to lead my family. I don't even know what to think about it myself. And these decisions weren't things in which the commandments applied. They were questions of wisdom. Honestly, I've never really cared for the book of Proverbs all that much. It feels to me like somebody got out a shotgun and just sprayed information at you. It's really different than most of the rest of the Bible. And the book of Proverbs is not intended to be promises that always apply in every situation all the time. Their general counsel for how the world generally works. So I wasn't really particularly interested in it. But I had a deep sense that I need wisdom. So about nine months ago, I started reading the book every day. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And over time, I began to see there is a treasure of stuff here, not just for me, but for us. So my prayer for you has been that those decisions that you're thinking about right now that you need to make, in which you're not sure what to do, that God would use this book this year to bless you. Friends, we have a tremendous need for wisdom. A tremendous need. What do you do when somebody asks you out on a date? How do you decide whether to go with that person or not? What do you do What do you do when the cancer treatment might take your life, but the cancer will? What do you do? How do you decide? What do you do when your kid comes home from school and says she was made fun of because she's overweight? What do you do? What do you do when you graduate from college, but you can't find a job? 
and those bills are starting to come in. What do you do? What do you do when you're constantly quarreling with your spouse? You cannot seem to have a good day. What do you do when you see a person of little power being taken advantage of by somebody with greater power? How do you think about that? What do you do when you love to check ESPN to check the scores, but there's this pesky little advertisement down at the bottom of the sports page that keeps sucking you in? What do you do when a loved one passes away and everybody starts fighting over the inheritance? What do you do when the guy in the cubicle next to you, he's the guy that's constantly horsing around while you work hard, but he gets the promotion and you don't? What do you do when your unmarried daughter comes home and says, I'm pregnant? Friends, the commandments of God do not answer a single one of those questions. Every single one of them is answered by the question, not is there a command for me to obey, but what's the wise thing to do? We need wisdom. Knowledge is so important but it's not enough. We need wisdom. Proverbs puts wisdom in its proper place. You see, God describes wisdom as something desirable, good, even sweet. And this was the longest introduction you will have ever heard. (laughs) Proverbs 24, verse 13. Proverbs 24, Verse 13. My son, eat honey, for it's good, and the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future, and your hope will not be cut off. Proverbs are poetry, and Their meaning requires us to slow down. That's part of the reason I I don't gravitate towards them naturally. I want you to just say it to me and say it straight. The Proverbs don't work like that. The Proverbs require contemplation. They require thinking about how is this analogous with this. They, They involve often placement of one truth next to another one in which they help us to understand each other. And so it's going to take us a while to get used to them. But follow his line of thinking. Eat honey. Why? Because it's good. Get wisdom. Why? Because it's good. Now that one's pretty clear. You have to work very hard at that one. He says, grab hold of wisdom. Lean into it. Rely on it. Grasp it. Because it's good and sweet to your soul. In other words, as honey is to your taste buds, so is wisdom to your inner life. On a practical level, wisdom, living wisely, provides a future for you. At one level, that can just mean 
being a wise person will mean you don't do dumb things that get you dead early. But on another level, that can mean living wisely teaches you to seek the eternal life, life that goes on forever. And so your future, your hope, won't be cut off from you because you can count on an eternity forever with a God who came and lived and died and rose again for you. Wisdom says that. And not only does wisdom taste good, but it's better than wealth. Here's another proverb on the screen. Proverb 8, 10. Take my instruction instead of silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than jewels, and all that you desire cannot compare with you. Friends, wisdom is the skill for life, and possessing it, the Proverbs tell us, is better than a big house, a nice car, and a credit card that goes on forever. It's better. Why? Why would that be? It's because every single day, every single decision we face will be impacted by our understanding of reality. Wisdom teaches us how to live in light of the complex situations we face every day. That's why it's better. As you think back on last year, can you think of times in which you struggled to understand what should I do? Why do I feel this way? Why have I found myself again in this habit? It was probably because you lacked wisdom. Now let's spend our few remaining minutes that we have left in the first chapter of Proverbs. Jump back to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. One of the key ways that the book of Proverbs tries to help us understand wisdom is it takes on a device of personification. Now, some of you just checked out on me, but hang, hang with me just for a minute, okay? Uh, the English nerds are going nuts right now, all three of you. The rest of us are glazing over, okay? One of the ways, let me say it again, one of the ways the book of Proverbs tries to help us understand wisdom is it creates a personification of wisdom. If you've read the book before, you may have caught it. Wisdom is portrayed as a woman. There's a woman speaking, particularly in the first nine chapters of the book. There's a woman pictured as a woman speaking wisdom, and it calls that personification Lady Wisdom. Now, why, why a woman? Get real. Some of the wisest people I know in the stuff of everyday life are women. So the book of Proverbs takes a woman, personifies wisdom, and says, Here's, here's her talking. Listen to her. Now, it's difficult for us to conceive of abstract truth. And so, God in his wisdom had the people who wrote Proverbs personify wisdom as a woman. Look at verse 20 of chapter 1. Proverbs 1, verse 20. And this is a little weird. It, it takes some getting used to. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gates, she speaks. 
And here's what she says. How long, O simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I will pour out my spirit on you. I will make my words known to you. From the very beginning of the book, the author articulates wisdom in such a way that he's saying, this is something you need so badly. And where is this lady wisdom shouting out? Did you catch it? Where is she? She's not in the temple. She's not in the synagogue. She's not in the church building. She's out in everyday life. She's saying, you need me in the streets. You need me in the city. You people who are so simple. You don't think. You just do stuff. You need me. I have found that so helpful. Lady Wisdom is pictured crying out in the places of everyday life. She's at Fry's. She's in the MU. She's at the gym. She's an app on her cell phones. She's saying, everywhere you go, you need me. Listen to me. You need wisdom. Friends, our lives are full of challenging situations. And we need a primer from God for everyday life. That primer is taking the knowledge of the gospel, applying it to the everyday stuff of life, listening to God, listening to each other as we pool wise thoughts, and going forward. This particular passage functions as a powerful critique of modern life. Frankly, many of us are simple, foolish people. We find ourselves in the same situations over and over and over and over and over and over and over. When God's given us the book of Proverbs and each other, that we might share his wisdom with each other, living in community, and make better decisions. We tend to be people that hate knowledge and prefer our own wisdom. We believe that knowledge is just what you want it to be, just personal preference. But wisdom's going to say, there's a better way to live. So let's be honest. If we could apply this with a question. What are you engaged in right now that you know is not wise? We can ask the question, what's sinful? And that's an important thing to ask. I don't mean in any way to discount that. But that's just the first question. Because there may be things that you're doing that are not black and white sinful, but they're just not wise. They're not profitable. They're not enriching your life and the lives of other people. And you didn't come today expecting to think about that thing. But now it's there. Why? Because God loves you. And his design is that you would have life 
through him. And that abundant life requires taking the commands of God and applying the gospel, realizing that we didn't follow the commands, and then learning to live in light of God's truth. Can you hear her? Can you hear her? It's Lady Wisdom. She's crying out with full lungs. Don't do that again. Choose this. Wisdom is skill for every day. Friends, on a whole, I believe we could say we have been unwise. We arrogantly live as though we're in control and we always know what's best. God himself has given us ample opportunities to respond to his wisdom. But as this lady wisdom has announced, how long will we be foolish? The plight of humanity, regardless of where you're from or how long you've been here, it's true of you too. We're all people who choose to do the unwise things. We choose to to sin. We choose to live as if reality is a world of our own making. But the message the church ultimately announces is that that isn't the final word. The message that we finally announce is the gospel. And look how 1 Corinthians 1.30 puts it. And because of him, the him is God, because of God, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. We turned away from wisdom. But what did God do? God sent wisdom to us in Christ. He rose in victory, showing that we foolish people can have hope again. We can have life. We can start anew. There's forgiveness. We can be adopted into God's family. We can learn to live wisely when we've been so foolish. Not because we try really hard, but because God sent wisdom himself to die for us, take our place, to rise again in victory so that we can learn not simply what is wise, but have the means through which to live wise lives in Christ. Friends, our need for wisdom is ultimately a need for Jesus Christ. Jesus is our wisdom from God. So in all those situations I named, there was 10 of them, in which we would say that the rules don't answer that question. The message of Christianity isn't ultimately follow a principle, but follow a person. And that person, if you're a believer, lives in you. And if we'll slow down, listen to the book of Proverbs, seek the counsel of each other, then lo and behold, we will hear that person speaking. And we will learn how to live different. And more and more and more people will join us 
because our lives will look like something different because they are. Let's pray.